0: Sirius XM Radio is better with Bogle Wines. 70s on 7, 80s on 8, better with Bogle. Alt Nation, Hip Hop Nation, Hair Nation, better with Bogle. Madison, Howard, Andy Cohen, better, better, better. Y2 Country, Prime Country, Carrie's Country, yep, all better. The Beatles Channel is better, and getting better all the time. Everything on Sirius is better with Bogle. Award-winning, family-owned wines ranked as some of the finest available for around 10 bucks. As long as you're not driving, it's better with Bogle. Bogle Family Vineyards, Clarksburg, California. Please drink responsibly.
1: welcome to true crime garage wherever you are whatever you are doing thanks for listening i'm your host nick and with me as always is a man that bases his nightlife on the old saying a burrito before beer and you're in the clear ladies and gentlemen joining us on this beautiful taco tuesday here is your captain
0: snoochie Boochies. it's good to be seen and it's good to see you thanks for listening thanks for telling a friend thanks for telling your mother
1: Hi, Mom. Uh, Hi. (laughs) Sorry, Mom. Today we are drinking Cross of Gold by Revolution Brewing Company in Chicago, Illinois. Garage grade four big fat bottle caps out of five. This is a lighter beer, perfect for summertime. A crisp golden ale with a delicate hop finish. And they brew this with a little bit of wheat and a tiny bit of honey. So I love that stuff. Great for summertime. Perfect for this hot weather. And this fantastic beer was brought to us by these fantastic people First up, a big, big thank you to Allie out in L.A. Also in California, we have Julie and Tyson in Napa Valley. They say, keep the California stories coming. And a big thanks for all the research and the quality episodes.
0: And a big we like your jib to Melinda in Alberta, Canada.
1: And next, all the way out doing field work in Calcutta, India, we have longtime listener Hillary. So safe travels to you, Hillary.
0: And last but not least, we have Kristen down in Birmingham, Alabama, who says, thanks to your show, I actually look forward to my morning commute.
1: Thank you to everybody for filling up the fridge this week. And if you want to buy us around for next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button.
0: Yeah, I don't think my mother has ever donated to the show. I know she's a part of the fan page, so she reads all the weird comments about the captain
1: i don't even think my parents have listened to the show i don't think mine have either. <laughs> well there you go ohio parents are very supportive of their children <laughs>
0: all right if you'd like to support the show check out our store page we got the old episodes we got the bonus episodes the brick family murder episode if you haven't heard that one check that one out also we got some t-shirts plus i'm working on some new t-shirts i got a uh, working on that uh, team colonel shirt you mean team nick Well, we'll see what happens when it gets back from the printing
1: press. All right, Captain, that's enough of the t-shirts, enough of the website. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us in our day of battle. Protect us against the deceit and wickedness of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And you, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, banish into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who roam through the world seeking the ruin of souls. St. Michael is one of the principal angels. His name was the war cry of the good angels as he led them in the battle fought in heaven against those led by the dragon, who was in fact the devil or Satan. The devil and his followers were defeated and they were thrown down to earth. According to scripture, Christian tradition gives to St. Michael four offices. To be the champion of God's people. To fight against Satan. To call away from earth and bring men's souls to judgment. And to rescue the souls of the faithful from the power of the enemy, especially at the hour of death. Tuesday, March 3rd, 1998, Monroe, Wisconsin. Two men, both priests, are driving. It's about 8.30 p.m. Father Alfred Coons, the passenger, is getting a ride home from his longtime friend and pal, Father Fiore. A dusty Wisconsin snow was falling. Fiore and Coons had a 70 mile drive ahead of them, taking them all the way to the tiny town of Dane, Wisconsin. With a population of only about 700 hardworking and God-fearing people, Dane was only a small blip on the big Wisconsin map. It was where Father Alfred Coons had called home for many years. And for many years, he has loved and taken care of the good people of Dane. It was a beautiful night, one of those clear March nights where the snowflakes melt when they touch the pavement. About halfway home, Father Coons became silent, and then he started to clam up. Fiori looked at his friend and said, Al, you have been a good friend for so many years, and I love you for that. There was a long pause, and Father Coons looked up. There were large tears running down his face, and all he could say was, I know, I know. Around 10 p.m. that night, the two priests had arrived at St. Michael's Church, the destination for Father Coons. He got out of the car. Father Fiore rolled down the car window and shouted, Hey Al, make sure you get yourself something to eat. I will, Coons yelled back before heading inside and out of the cold. Most likely within an hour or two of arriving home, Father Coons was startled. A noise woke him from his sleep. Someone was in the building. A stranger stepped out of the cold night and into the church and home of Father Coons. But this part of the story is a mystery because we don't know the stranger's name and we cannot see the stranger's face. We can only wonder if Father Coons knew the name or recognized the face. Regardless, Father Coons would have greeted the stranger with warmth and kindness. How may I help you, my child? But the stranger was not seeking the love of God, the warmth of the church. He only wanted one thing from Father Coons. The stranger would greet Coons with anger, maybe an accusatory question, a death threat, or words of hatred. The stranger rushes the old priest and attacks him. Forced to defend himself, Father Coons fights back as he is being hit repeatedly. After a long struggle, the stranger gets up and he pulls from his coat a knife. Father Coons grabs at the blade with his bare hands, trying to pry the knife from his assailant. Sadly, he is unsuccessful. The stranger put the blade to the side of Coons' neck and slits the throat of the beloved father. The stranger, now covered in blood, injured and probably cut, stands up. And as he gathers himself, he curses the priest. Then he steps back out into the cold night. Who was this stranger? Was he a mentally ill drifter? Or some sick, twisted Satanist? Or was he someone the priest had trusted? This is True Crime Garage. And this is the case of Father Alfred Coons. On Wednesday, March 4th, 1998, the body of Father Alfred Coons was found at the St. Michael's Church. His body was practically lying at the foot of a beautiful statue of St. Michael the Archangel inside the building. He was found by a school teacher. This is a male teacher at about 7 Mm a.m. on that day. This man called 911 to report the findings when the first responders arrived, the first thing that they saw was all of the blood on the tile floor. Now, Father, Father Alfred Coons was wearing black pants and a white T-shirt. Uh, and He was lying in a pool of his own blood. His, his clothing had been blood-soaked by that point, obviously. The teacher who had found him had quite a bit of blood on his own clothing as well after running over to the body. Father Coons was known as Father Al to most who knew him. Now, as we mentioned at the start of the show, one man who knew Al very well was Father Fiori. The two were together the night before. Uh, this would be the night of or the night before Coons' death, depending on how you look at the timeline. Police say because of Fiori dropping Coons off around 10 p.m. that night and the teacher finding the body around 7 a.m. the following morning, mm-hmm. that, that obviously is your window for when the murder occurred. Now, the police may not know for sure, but they have stated that they estimate that the time of death would be closer to 10 p.m. on March 3rd rather than 7 a.m. on March 4th. So Father Fiori and Father Coons, they were together that night. They were in Monroe, Wisconsin. Father Coons and Fiori, well, Captain, they were, they were a lot like us. They had a quote-unquote radio show. Um, they called this Our, Our Catholic Hour. And it sounds to me like clever name. It sounds to me like Coons had done this show for a while, maybe like a year or two. Uh, Peter, I thought it was called
0: Catholic Hour Garage. <laughs> uh,
1: Peter Kelly, who is a Monroe, Wisconsin attorney, he is the producer of the weekly show, Our Catholic Hour or Our Catholic Family. Um, on this night, Father Fiore was at the mic in place of Father Coons. The two had been longtime friends, and I believe Fiore had had been a guest many times on this show. Mm-hmm. Now Father Coons was passing the torch and passing the mic to his friend as Father Fiore was taking over the show permanently. Um, I, I've never, I've never heard the show, and in no disrespect intended, but I have read that it was a rather dry hour-long show.
0: Ah, um, oh, so similar to our show.
1: On occasion, Coons had done some controversial things um, or antics on the show. I, I won't mm-hmm. go into the details of those because I don't want to. I don't wish to offend anybody listening. Um, as we said after the taping of the show, Fiori drove Coons back to Dane to his church uh, slash home, arriving around ten p.m. According to the records, Coons spoke to someone on the phone at ten thirty p.m. There the, there the body was found the next morning at 7 a.m. We don't know what happened during those hours except someone or someones arrived at the church and there was some kind of fight that led to someone cutting the throat of the good father. Right. Uh, I'm really curious to know the, the um, you know, the first thing I w- was curious about was the lock situation of the building. So let's describe this building real quick. So basically what you have, it's, it's a church. Now keep in mind this is a smaller town but you have a church that also contains within it a Catholic school as well as a small apartment. It's been referred to as a small apartment where Coons had lived, but they also said that he lived like a like a like a pauper, you know, like he lived like a very very poor man. There there was some a, a famous story done on Al- Alfred Coons after he passed away that that was titled Alfred Coons um, from rags to rags, you know, this wasn't a rags to riches story. This was this was a man that lived, right. um, you know, he lived like a poor man because he served his he served his parish, he served his God, and he served the people of his parish and community.
0: Well, and also the Catholic family, our garage probably wasn't paying the bills.
1: Right, right. So the the lock situation, like I said, the thing that I was concerned about with this building um w- was very simple and the police cleared this up very quickly uh with one of the first newspaper articles that came out it, they clearly stated the police found the building locked mm-hmm. um the 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 entire building was locked every door was locked uh and there was no sign of forced entry so you know now we have this situation of how did the killer get in uh if, if this either he had access to the building in some some way or, Father Alfred Coons let this person in
0: Mm -hmm. and you know but the thing is 98 right Mm -hmm. so it could have been like any school or some some of these churches where all you you know you could get out of the building but getting in everything was locked right so that's that's what I'm assuming
1: I would guess as well the same thing now here's some uh background information on our victim Father Coons was born in Wisconsin in 1930. He grew, mm, up, he grew up in Fenimore. Uh, he attended seminary at uh, Joseph Enham in Worthington, Ohio. Mm-hmm. You and I are big fans of the, the little town of Worthington. It's
0: close to us.
1: Yeah. That's right. He received a doctorate in canon law. Uh, he became the pastor of what is described in these newspaper articles as the tiny church of St. Michael's. And Mm -hmm. they list the church parish as consisting of 149 families. It's unclear to me if that was at the time that he became the pastor or if that was at the time of his death.
0: Well, like you said in the trailer, this is a very small town. Mm -hmm.
1: So Father Al, I'll try to refer to him as that because that's what his friends called him. Um, I guess the church had burned down at some point. And he had helped rebuild the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we said, you know, the rags to rag story, he took a vow of poverty. He collected no salary. Uh, he died with very little money. He, at the time of his death, he had three cars, but these were all like smaller, older, maybe what we would refer to as beaters. Well, um, right. Yeah.
0: And they might've been donated by the people of the parish.
1: Well, he, he was a very old school kind of dude. He, he would buy or get these cars. You're, you're right. Some of these may have been donated. And mm-hmm. these are old, beat up cars. And sometimes they would barely run or uh, maybe not run at all. But he would fix them up and he would keep them running. And he would he would give some sometimes he would give these cars to the teachers at his school because I believe the teachers made very little money. You know, they made something mm-hmm. like $500 salary a month, you know, so very wow. little money. So he would try to Are do. Are they
0: allowed to do that with minimum wage mm, and things like that?
1: I don't. I don't know how that stuff works. The church but, gets around everything. <laughs> but he would he would try to give them little perks or incentives for their work with the uh, with the church and school.
0: Well, and he's a little bit of a chef as well.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, he was he was kind of famous for his fish fries. They would do the community and the church would do these uh, fish fries every, you know, most on some Friday nights and father Coons along with two other gentlemen, they would do everything. They would fry the fish, the French fries, they would make their own tartar sauce. Uh, And even though the town only had about 700 people, sometimes they would get over a thousand people at these different events, mm-hmm. um, you know, so th- this was something that was uh, popular, you know, and he was well known for. People would drive in from out of town to to you know well, get together with the people and, and and experience these these events on. Yeah, Friday
0: well, in all fairness, if you're in a town of like 700 people, everything you do is popular. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's on, true. Be, hey, man, um, we're going to go watch a uh, little Kevin. He learned to tie his shoes. We're going to go watch him. Okay, 700 people show up.
1: The thing here, Captain, though, is that Father Coons, he he remained at his church. He remained at this church at St. Michael's for a long time, all the way up until his death. Uh, well, they,
0: how, how long is that?
1: It was like, th- you know, he was there for like 30 years. Um
0: That's a long time.
1: Yeah, and the thing here is they they say that he, quote unquote, ran a one-man show. Uh, he, he kept basically no records. He had no calendar or daily planner and rarely kept notes on things concerning his work at the church. This including counseling sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- from the get-go, though, we see a problem with the investigation because we know with these, with these murders that a lot of times we got to start looking at the inner circle. You know, the family, the friends, uh, the people that were closest to the victim. Well, immediately the investigators have a problem because we have a guy that has no, he didn't write anything down. He, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they would have to go to other people to find out what this guy's future plans were. You know, what was his future appointments? Who was he supposed to go see? What -hmm. was on his, his calendar that maybe he only kept in his mind. Um, so this made the investigation, uh, more difficult. Plus They also didn't. They're not able to really fully establish things that maybe only Father Al would have known, or Father Al would have wrote down regarding his relationships with other people, or especially his work with the church.
0: Yeah, but how many people write that down? Hey, I do a, I do a podcast with Nick. I like Nick. We drink beer together. We have fun. (laughs) <laughs> he's well, very funny. I appreciate all those nice off, things. Off of the mic. The when you, he's not on the podcast, he's very funny.
1: But the thing here is, Captain, if investigators can find a diary, a calendar, if they have a computer mm-hmm. to if they have a computer that they can sort through. Um Do the,
0: grown do grown men keep diaries?
1: Um I don't. Okay. Some do. Yeah. Okay. And I'll and but but a lot of people keep a calendar. A lot of people do, um, you know, sit at a computer for X amount of hours every day. Mm-hmm. These are all things that can help your investigation. Uh, he was killed at the age of 67. He was, uh, at St. Michael's church for 31 years. You asked how many years it was 31 years. Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize this until we got into to looking at this case, you know, Mm-hmm. I grew up Catholic. You grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say we were the best of Catholics. You know, we weren't. We we weren't Dude, there. Shut
0: ever. your mouth. I was a <laughs> old, I was an older boy. No, you weren't. Yes, I was. You were. Yeah, for a while. Uh, I was confirmed.
1: I was confirmed.
0: What was your confirmation name?
1: I think we already got into this on a show.
0: I can't remember what you said. C- ha- Hans was it? Hans?
1: No, it's Isaiah. Oh, I didn't, oh. And you I'm don't sorry. remember your name, do you? No, no. See, I remember this. Um, I was too
0: busy being an altar boy, so.
1: I didn't realize that it's a very rare thing for a priest to remain at the same church for that many years, for 31 years.
0: I'm going to keep that joke to myself. <laughs> so both of us were raised Catholic. We're Neither one of us are practicing Catholics today. Um, I think we mainly... <laughs> we... Mainly, were confirmed Catholic just so we could play on the football team.
1: Hey, I pray a lot during the football season. Yes, yeah. Um, now, Father Al was not only just a good priest, but he was a good son as well. His mother lived about an hour and a half away from him, and he mm-hmm. would visit her often, uh, almost every week, sometimes more than once a week. The thing here is that why I thought I heard,
0: was well, I heard she did his laundry.
1: <laughs> so. The thing that I thought was really nice, uh in in and, and almost cute in a way, in a in a mama's boy kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, he would he would visit her obviously on her birthday, but he would call mass at her local church on on her birthday. So she yeah. would she would go there, you know, and maybe drag a couple of her friends with her so she could show off how proud she is of her boy. Right. Um and like we said, he was old school. One thing that he would do is he did a, he could say a, a Latin mass, which I don't know how often, I don't know if these were things that took place often, a Latin mass. I don't know if they did that at my church growing up. I wouldn't have, um, you know, I would have recognized that it's a different language, but I wouldn't have known anything that was being said.
0: Well, they they did it at mine, but to be, to be fair, I mean, they start talking, and you don't know if they're just saying gibberish or if they're speaking Latin, so...
1: I yeah. do like when the priest like sings and talks at the same time. You know, the, you know, that kind of, that always, oh, in, that always in, inspired me.
0: I was trying to pull a Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, the, you know, this guy was a good guy. Uh, I'll post a picture of Coons um, uh, on um, Instagram. <laughs> uh, one of the things that is interesting, he kind of has I um, uh, I don't, it's not a lazy eye it's kind of a droopy eye.
1: Really? I think are, are you certain he might? He might. I just thought he was kind of the dude that like if he knew he was having his picture taken, he would like cock the one eyebrow up, like like maybe that was his pose kind of thing no, that he liked that's, to go to. No, that's
0: my pose and you don't get a droopy eye. Okay. That's a that's a different look. It's just kind of a droopy eye. I mean, if you'd he you know, he just comes across as goofy, maybe even a hint drunk. I'm not saying he was an alcoholic or that he was a drunk. That's
1: just kind of. Because he's got a happy face. That's like, kinda, Yeah. Like that's the best way to explain it. Friendly. He when you see him, he, he like, he like has a natural smile. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, if you see him out of his priest getup, um, he's very grandfatherly looking. You know what I mean? He looks like what you, what you would close your eyes and picture a typical grandfather.
0: Yeah. And I'll, I'll post a picture of his when he first started the priesthood, you know, handsome gentleman. Uh, but I think then as he got older, I, I I like the guys that as they get older, they embrace it Mm -hmm. and they just go, I'm the goofy older guy now. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not trying to be handsome or suave.
1: Mm -hmm. Captain, we have, we have to go through the autopsy, the evidence and the police findings, uh, from the immediate get go. Um one of the first articles that came out, you know, we had a situation where the police were saying that they were they were looking for a motive mm-hmm. for this crime because it would be it's very rare. I have to believe it's very rare for a for a priest to be killed and a priest to be killed inside one's own church. Um now they did state that they w- would not rule out robbery mm-hmm. early on in the investigation. I do want to want to tip, you know, mentioned one kind of thing that I thought was a little bit sad, uh, to see a man that gave so much of his life to the Catholic church and to, uh, um, well, his community, his community mm-hmm. and helping others. Um, the thing here is the priest could not complete the last rites for father Coons because of the investigation. A reverend from a nearby town of Lodi gave Coons final absolution But officials did not permit him to anoint the body with oil as the oil. uh, It was said that the oil may interfere with evidence or things that they were looking for on the body. So I found that to be rather sad concerning that, you know, considering that he gave so much of his life to to the faith.
0: We'll get back to the case of Father Alfred Coons after this quick beer break.
1: while your subscription is active.
0: All right, we're back. Cheers, everybody.
1: With any open investigation, you want to try to go through the autopsy, the evidence, and police findings. Uh, With this still being unsolved, these are limited to the public, as they should be. Um, but the still unsolved murder investigation uh, regarding Alfred Coons has been described as one of the most expensive and time-consuming investigations in the Dane County history. Um, The crime scene was described as grisly and gruesome, which Mm -hmm. we should expect it to be uh, with the cause of death being, well, father Coons had bled to death. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was discovered face down in a pool of his own blood. His throat had been cut. He was lying in the hallway area. What's been described as the hallway area near the door of his apartment, um, to his living quarters. Um, someone had used a razor sharp. What's been described by the police as a razor sharp blade to cut the artery. Uh, this is just below Coons's jaw. Medical experts said that he would have fainted when the cut was made and he would have only lived for about a minute Uh, And this would have been in a dazed, dreamlike state. Now, one big indicator to the investigators was Father Coons had marks on his hands and arms. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was very obvious to the police, and they're not very descriptive about these, uh, what, what led them to believe this. But they state that they know for a fact Coons fought his attacker.
0: Right. That'd be the marks on your hands. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, they're, they're also saying that the attacker would have had obvious signs of injury, meaning that the the investigators believe or have evidence to point them in the direction of believing that this person was probably punched in the face is the, is the best way that I can gather Uh from this because they, they've, repeatedly said the attacker would have had obvious injuries.
0: Well, and maybe they can tell, I mean, you're going to have cuts on father Coons hands, mm-hmm. but as far as like, you know, the, the human hand is not designed to punch things well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a possibility that uh, father Coons had like a broken pinky knuckle okay, uh, or something like that. So if he's punching somebody, he might have damage to his hand from punching somebody, and you and, and maybe that's that's the evidence of that
1: and you would expect to see more damage to one's hands if they're connecting with the face or the skull mm-hmm. uh, because the bones are you know right Hard, up there
0: no, well and the skull is harder than the hand
1: mm-hmm. and so this person would have had obvious injuries on their face uh, from being punched. The other thing that they believe too that it's very likely um, that the killer did not anticipate that amount of blood. Remember we've talked about in the past that, that sometimes when there's a struggle or when there's blood involved, um, the blade can become slippery. Um, and and yes. you could mm-hmm. you can cut yourself on accident or it could be even leave yourself with a decent size cut or cuts uh, because of the struggle or because of the blood. Well, and we've talked about that
0: before with if you have a blade, like a, you know, a uh, knife, right? Mm-hmm. You have a standard knife, but it normally has the handle, and it has like a almost like a hand stopper, a hilt, a is hilt. What, what I believe. They call so it. when when if if it got slippery, that hilt would stop you from mm-hmm. cutting your hand. Now, if you have a box cutter or a kitchen knife, yeah, or
1: like a razor blade type yeah, thing, Razor blade,
0: uh, <laughs> then there's no hilt there. So it doesn't stop your hand from sliding. And you want want to talk about a devastating cut. Mm -hmm. You know, you thought a paper cut was bad.
1: Now, right away in the investigation, Captain, one thing that I found interesting was the the deputies were asking neighbors, you know, people that lived in this rural rural community, Mm -hmm. apologize, uh, to watch for unusual items on their lawns. And the investigator stating anytime that you have a crime like this, there is always the possibility that someone has discarded something as they left the crime scene.
0: So I'm assuming that they were hopeful. The police were hopeful that maybe that the attacker leaves the church as he's walking back, wherever he's going, he's dropping the, the, you know, the murder weapon.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That he would have disposed of the murder weapon by just, tossing it in some random location.
0: All right. So what we do know, let's just recap this real quick. We have, we know that father Coons was attacked and murdered in the hallway. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that there was a a knife or a blade involved. Correct. We know that there was a lot of blood. So the attacker would probably have blood on them. Mm -hmm. And there's some evidence. We don't know what the evidence is, but you know, possibly where this, uh, the attacker would have, or the murderer is what I probably should say. The murderer would have blood on him, maybe a black eye, maybe cuts on them.
1: Correct, broken nose. You know, mm-hmm. any anything that you would a busted lip, anything that you would assume or or you know that would be typical of a, a fist fight. Mm-hmm. Um, we also know that Coons was killed between the hours of 10:30 p.m. and 7 a.m. Uh, pretty long window though. Po- yeah. Police believing that it's closer to that 10 30 PM, um, situation. I would, I was curious to know who, um, uh, who he was talking to. I couldn't locate that information, but the, but it was clear there was some kind of phone call that he had, um, phone conversation that he had around that 10 30 time. Yeah. A um, lot
0: of, like you said before, a lot of this evidence is kind of held close to
1: the vest. And the other thing too, um, regarding the the teacher that found um father coons Mm -hmm. they which
0: had a lot of blood on him
1: they've not included the name of this person um that i could find um and there were many newspaper uh internet and magazine articles regarding this murder and i couldn't find one that that stated that male it's a male teacher i couldn't find one that stated the name Mm -hmm. of him uh we do know that the doors were all found locked there was no sign of forced entry. It was um you know we said that Father Fiori had that uh the the evening with with Father Coons the night before. It was Father Fiori who formally identified the victim right. at the scene. Now one thing I was a little curious about um was the Father Fiori situation. You know, he's handing, you know, he's taking over this, this radio show. Was that some kind of problem between the two of them? They were longtime friends. They, they actually worked together on many projects that they created themselves. And it it had been reported many, many times. You know, we talked about Coons purchasing or getting these vehicles and fixing them up at the time of his death. He had three cars and he was somebody that everybody said, well, he loved to drive like mm-hmm. that. That was a big hobby of his. And I thought, well, if he loved to drive so much. Why is he car? You know, wh- why is this father Fiore driving him 70 miles both ways? I actually found father Fiore at the time lived only about five minutes away from father Coon, So it would only make sense for the two to, to right. carpool on yeah. this. Mr. This long Don't distance.
0: litter. How about, how about trying to carpool every now and then?
1: Um, everybody please carpool. Be
0: Uh, good. Be kind. Don't litter carpool.
1: Now from an outsider looking in, uh, at first glance and I hate, are we getting into speculation already? Yeah. We're going to get into a little speculation and then we'll get into some theories. But, but, but one thing that I kind of want to put, um,
0: well, let me just give our warning. If you don't like speculation, turn the damn show off.
1: One thing I want to kind of put to bed before we get into the theories here, Captain, was mm-hmm. from somebody looking uh, from the outside looking in, w- your immediate thought would be a priest killed in a church, well, was he up to no good? We know that the, the Catholic Church has uh, 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 yeah. got some black eyes over the years, and, and, and priests have- We
0: don't have to pussyfoot around- with this, I mean, well, look, there's there was, been there, priests
1: out there that have have done terrible things.
0: There's there hundreds and hundreds of priests that were child molesters uh-huh. that are probably still are child molesters, and um, the church has covered that up time and time again. That's what's been happening. If you don't like what I just stated, um, that that's not my opinion, that's right. just what's fact.
1: Um, that's the unfortunate truth. Uh, the thing here is, Captain. So the first thing that we looked at was, well, is, was Father Coons one of these bad priests? Was he a bad priest, and and somebody out there felt that he deserved to be punished? Um,
0: right. Maybe. So the the idea, which I don't know why you're, you know, dancing around it. The idea well, they, is that he he possibly molested a child, and then that child would come back, or the the parents of that child were like. Yeah, it's time for you to die. And pay for what you did.
1: The thing here is, though, Captain. That's the theory, right? That that would be the first thought. And the thing is, though, there's no evidence or even complaints of Father Coons having been involved in anything of that nature.
0: No, again, and the, again, thirty years, thirty-one years at the same parish. Now, when you look into a lot of these, uh, the accused priest—that's all you can call them because there's never charges normally brought up mm-hmm. the accused priest. Normally they'll bounce them around. They'll give them six months, sick leave. They'll move them parish normally every two to three years. Mm-hmm. So there is no sign of that. There's no sign of him being moved around.
1: No like, father. Al's at the same location for 31 years.
0: Right. And like we said, there was no, uh, even after his death, there was nobody that came forward. Right. So it is a small community. And I get, again, I think with the small community, you're going to, you know, if he, if he was up to no good, uh, you're affecting a giant percentage of that population.
1: Actually, the, 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 other thing too, captain is what came out after his death were, there were many priests that were coming out as well as people in, within the parish that were, you know, devout and very close to father Al that were coming out after his death and saying quite the contrary that that father al was not a a bad priest mm-hmm. he wasn't a child molester he was actually kind of policing other priests that he was what they called a um a discreet whistleblower um and th- this was like i said several priests said this and several people in the parish had said that he was keeping an eye on some things and he was um you know, I don't know how vocal he was with it because, like I said, this is stuff he came out that came out after his death. It sounds more to me like um, uh, he was he he would report these incidents or report his suspicions to uh, superiors to these other priests superiors.
0: Right, and like we said again, this was nineteen ninety eight. This is a uh, this is actually three years I think before the Boston story broke. Mm-hmm. 2001, uh, with the whole priest sex scandal in Boston. But I think this was something in that community, um, that was being talked about and being discussed. And from what I found, it seems like he was doing a lot of research into these possible connections with priests and in, in the whole state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. So, what did he know or what did he uncover? Um, you know, could that be a possible motive?
1: Mm-hmm. Now, the thing here is captain early in the investigation, we have Dane County Sheriff's detective, Kevin Hughes, uh, regarding the thought of motives for the murder of father Coons. He says, you know, the, the motives are all over the place. You know, this could be anything from jealousy to power and control to betrayal and fear of exposure. Uh, he basically says, you know, the, it could be any one of these things. So t- you can take your pick at this point, when you're investigating this crime now, very early on in the murder, they had like they had a whole bunch of guys, maybe 30, 30 men and women investigating uh, this murder. Um, mm-hmm. They they did. They, I mean, they, they did a lot of hard work on this. Now, there were many theories out there regarding the motives uh, or why he was killed. Um, but several priests have their have theories of their own. And we'll get into those. Um, the first one being that, um, either Satanist, uh, possibly Luciferians killed father Al Coons. Okay. Um, it has been, it's been suggested. Many have suggested that there is a body of evidence that suggests that Satanism was involved in the murder. Now we, we gave a warning a couple weeks ago and we don't typically do these because it is a true crime show, but you don't, you don't expect to hear about, um, an animal being harmed or killed. So uh, throwing out, this is the warning. Uh, I was actually received some feedback that said, Hey, next time when you're going to talk about that stuff, could you make sure you throw out a warning in advance? And I, I thought, well, you should pay attention because we, were, we, did. we we did give you a warning. Here's your warning. Here's, this is the official warning. So, and I apologize for this, but it, it has to be reported. Um, a, a mutilate, a mutilated calf was discovered on a farm just about 15 minutes away from St. Michael's church where they found Coons's body. Uh, the calf, this was found just the day before, Mm -hmm. uh, the calf had its throat, its throat slit. It's throat slit and its blood was drained into a milk pail. Mm -hmm. Uh, the calf's genitals had been cut off as well. The calf was in a cage when it was killed or at least fenced in, maybe in a stall rather than a cage. But the articles I read refers to the calf as being caged. Mm-hmm. Um, according to police reports, this happened between 10 p.m. on March 2nd and 4 a.m. on March 3rd at a farm. Uh, so, again, this is a very similar time frame just one day before Coons's murder.
0: Right. The
1: ca- As I said, the caged animal's throat was slit. The the farmer told police um, that he believed that this was probably the work of a Wiccan cult um, that he, he had said was rumored to operate in the area. Now, cult experts consider calf mutilations to be the quote-unquote calling card or signature of Satanist. Um, Coons' slit throat was also significant to these same... Um, Experts,
0: I wonder uh, if there's a way to test, um, you know, the blade entries and, and things like that of the bodies if, if they'd be similar.
1: That's a, that's a that's an interesting thought. Um, they're they're saying that the the throat cutting um, is signs of uh, you know many secret societies. There are oaths of many secret societies that include that throat slicing mm-hmm. it, as a penalty or punishment for revealing a group's closest secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the thought here being, was father Coons exposing the operations of some kind of cult? Right. Well, um,
0: but again, like I said, how, how much did he know about these other priests as far as the, you know, pedophilia and stuff like that, but also were those pre or were those priests connected to other organizations, mm-hmm. you know, that were more sinister. So, that's just a, a, a rabbit hole.
1: Now, one driving force behind this thought of the Satanist or Luciferians was Coons's friend and associate. This is a former Vatican insider, mm-hmm. Malachi Martin. Um, he certainly thought so. Um, and this is obvious because just six weeks after Coons's murder, Martin appeared on a radio show claiming to have inside information that Kuhn's murder was carried out by Luciferians. Uh, according for, to, we were,
0: for what reason though, did uh, he say on the radio show?
1: Um, I did, I did not hear the article. I did not hear the entire interview. Mm-hmm. Um, according to, you know, this would have taken place in, in the late 1990s and late 1998. Um, so I was un- unable to find the entire interview. Right. Uh, but according to Martin, uh, Luciferians are not your garden variety devil worshipers, but they are devil worshipers. Nonetheless, he also insisted that Coons had either assisted in several exorcisms, yeah. or performed them himself at the Saint Michael's Church, and that he often consulted with Martin uh, regarding these exorcisms. Um, he also, yeah, well,
0: I think Martin was actually pretty famous for exorcisms, wasn't he? I think. I think that's the priest I was reading about.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, Martin was famous for a lot of things, and, and we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, but one more thing that, that Martin was saying was that Luciferians resent, uh, what they resent the most is interference with someone they regard as their own. Um, adding that his friend believed mm. that his life was in danger for weeks leading up to his death. Uh, He says that we, I I don't know who we are when he says we, but he Mm -hmm. says we are all convinced beyond anything that Father Coons was killed in hatred of the faith as punishment and as an example for the rest of us.
0: I'm assuming he means uh, we as in priest. That's Mm -hmm.
1: what I would assume. And he also states that a week before the murder, uh, a woman who was certain her middle-aged son was demonically possessed Hmm. was referred to father Al Coons for an exorcism. Um, and this was going to be done. Uh, he was referred by uh, a Bishop, um, in Minnesota. The woman and her son had not yet arrived as of the night before Coons had died. Martin also said Coons was afraid for his life for weeks leading up to the murder. It sounds to me, captain, like it's a little unclear, um in my notes but it sounds to me like this this will maybe get
0: some more clear notes
1: this woman had made some kind of appointment <laughs> right, uh, right, to right. meet with him because mm-hmm. you know it does state that they had not arrived to meet with Coons before his death
0: yeah but you know uh old alfred doesn't write anything down so we don't know right um that what <laughs> it's funny when you're saying he doesn't write anything
1: down i'm like well
0: really who writes a lot of stuff down but who, guess you would do you write down appointments for an like exorcism
1: that. or or to to discuss yeah. an exorcism
0: you think if, <laughs> you think if you're going to have a fight with a, a man possessed by the devil you're going to you know you're going to mark that down on the calendar you're going to get up every day and you're going <laughs> to chug your eggs and you're going to run up the stairs
1: uh, my calendar is not very complete but i would i would be <laughs> i would be dreading the arrival of that day my next
0: friend. next wednesday it's on like
1: Donkey Kong. Well, okay. So should we talk a little bit about, um, let's talk a little bit about Martin mm-hmm. for a second, uh, before we get into uh, uh, some okay, of these so other theories.
0: Martin is the priest that's giving the, the interview with that radio.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to go into this all the way because I don't fully understand it. There's probably a lot of intricate workings within inside the Catholic church that we are unaware of, mm-hmm. um, But, you know, there have been people that have questioned this Malachi Martin, his uh, authenticity as being a priest, uh, his authenticity as having been a quote unquote Vatican insider. Um, We're not going to debate that on this show, but I do want to throw that out there to let you know there has been this talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can certainly look into Malachi Martin as much as you want. There's a lot of information out there on him. He was a uh, a best-selling author. Uh, apparently he had asked for special permission to from the church to become an author. Um, the the thing here is where I think you see the problem with Martin mm-hmm. is a lot of his books were talking about Satanism being involved in the hierarchy of the Catholic Church as well as sex scandals and um, these the pedophilia that you had talked about being involved in the church. Um, he had several, Uh, best-selling books, and maybe that's why the church pushed him away or kept him at arm's length. But as you said, he was known for his exorcisms. He was known to be a big proponent of reminding everybody every chance he got that there is a constant battle between good and evil going on, and there are people out there that are getting uh, possessed by these demons, and he was leading and assisting in many exorcisms and, and wrote several books uh, whether you know most of them are right. considered to be fiction works of fiction but he says that a lot of his works are based, based on based reality off of, yeah. based off of experiences that he had
0: well but it also kind of makes you wonder you know if this guy has connections with the church what is his motivation mm-hmm. I mean he has some motives here too I mean let's let's just assume let's just hypothetically right right hypothetically uh, Alfred Kuhn's Get some information that there is some um, you know some touchy touchy going on with some priest, right? Mm-hmm. And he is going to, and maybe he's presented this evidence to to some people. Uh, I actually heard that he actually sent some stuff to the bishop before. So if they looked into this information that Father Coons gave them, there was some validity to it, and they didn't do anything about it. And then he then contacted them and said, "Hey, what are you doing about this?" Right? Mm-hmm. That would be if. Again, connections with the bishop, connections with you know the Vatican or whatever, that would be a reason. Oh well, he was killed by Satanists. Well, actually, he was killed by priests, but we're going to call him Satanists, and that's our cover up. Mm -hmm. You know, he was killed by the church, but hey, guys, he was killed by Satanists. Mm -hmm. So that would be a motive there um, for him lying, but uh, but I don't know.
1: Well, but the thing here is I think you know I see Maliki Martin as he you know and maybe it's not all over the shop, but he he seems to be presenting almost two different arguments that kind of i guess they intertwine each other at some point because he you know he states that um you know it it was known that the format of that hour long radio show that Catholic family hour show right. was going to be modified. Uh, Martin, I guess, was a, was at times a guest, a regular guest on this show, um, and he was labeled as an expert on deviant sex rings within the Catholic Church, um, stating that the night Coons was murdered was the exact same night that Coons' friend, Father Charles Fiore was going to take over right. the Catholic Family Hour show. Fiore planned, this is according to Martin, Fiori planned to begin exposing satanic Pedophile rings within the Catholic Church. Uh, Fiore was in a perfect position to collect intelligence on deviant sex rings, both inside and outside of the Catholic Church, because of his participation in what Martin says is the, or calls the Council for National Policy. Um, well,
0: so everything I just said makes zero sense, then. Well, so basic because what because then that wouldn't be a cover up, right? Because if he found this bad stuff, then his then this guy is not covering it up. Mm-hmm. Because what he's stating is, if if there if if he was killed and it was satanic, it, it does not exclude um, people of the church. Right. That there are say there are satanic organizations outside of the church, mm-hmm. and then there are some inside the church. And he was saying that the um, satanic ring of pedophiles and the church possibly could be um, who's responsible for killing father Coons.
1: Yeah. And I think that's Martin, you know, reminding us this is or pointing out to us, asking us the question is this, is this complete, is it just coincidence that that Coons is killed on the same night that Fiori takes over the radio show and Fiori's planning on discussing this, this crazy topic. Right. Um, and, you know, was so was Coons killed uh, to, to shut up Coons, his work that he was doing behind the scenes the reports he were filing with people and as a warning to Fiori um, to not right. go out with this information. Now, according to to uh, Martin and to others, um, Fiori then changed his plans for that radio show after the, the of murder of did. coons of well he did well we can say of course he did but we also we're, we don't know exactly what his plans were you know it's one thing for it's one thing for martin to say this is what he was planning to do it's it's another thing right, if right, that right. was actually um the case
0: yeah does, does anybody write this stuff down
1: Yeah. So, so Martin, I mean, these are, these are interesting theories. Uh, Martin is certainly a, um, and I don't want, don't anybody get get mad at me on this. I didn't, we weren't able to spend a lot of time on this Martin guy. He had a very extensive career. He had a lot of um, Mm -hmm. ins and outs with the Catholic church. I don't know the specifics of all of those, um, but he was what I would say a controversial character. Um, Martin died in 1999. So not long after the death of father Alfred Coons. well, he, he passed away of a stroke, uh, that was prompted by a fall, um, as he prepared for an exorcism, according to a close associate.
0: That doesn't sound fishy at all.
1: Well, according to this associate, and this is coming from Martin, uh, as he's lying in a hospital bed Mm -hmm. just shortly before his death, Martin, says and and he he adamantly says that the fall felt more like a deliberate act of an unseen evil force than an accident at the time the associate who was at martin's bedside when he died later quoted him as shouting at one point when asked about the incident he says no i did not fall i tell you my legs were pulled out from under me right so sadly uh, martin has Passed away in 1999. Now, regarding the calf mutilation, um, that certainly does seem Wait, to let's
0: me. Stop, let's not jump around here. So, with with his stroke, mm-hmm. he's stating somebody pulled his legs out from
1: under him. Well, he says an evil, an unseen evil force. Um, he says that it feels like pulled his legs out from him. He's... could have been in person again. He said he's he was uh, he was. I believe he was reaching for a book like he had climbed up on a stool mm-hmm. and he was at his one of those, you know, fancy bookshelves that these successful people have. Um, and he I was, don't, he, <laughs> do no, have one of those. Our bookshelves are short. Yeah, it was <laughs> his. You have he to was, actually dig to get to ours. He's standing on a stool. Mm-hmm. And first of all, any listener out there, even if especially the older crowd, don't stand on stools. Okay, let's just, let's not stand. They're not <laughs> okay, very safe on to stand up.
0: Don't litter. Carpool. Carpool. Don't stand Don't on stools. Don't stand on stools. Okay.
1: And go to the fish fry on Friday. All right. Okay, so Martin, he's on this stool, and he says that he felt that his legs were pulled out from underneath of him. He was preparing for an exorcism, Um I don't know. You know, I, I watched a documentary on Martin and a lot of, it's
0: possible.
1: A lot of his close people. Well, he firmly believed in these demonic possessions. So well, if, of
0: course he did. I mean, why would you do exorcist if you it, didn't?
1: And if so, if you believe in that, then I guess that it's not too much of a leap to believe that, that they could be coming after him, um, as he's trying to help these people. Um, the thing here though, is you know, close associates of his, according to the documentary I watched, it was called um, the "Hostage to the Devil" or something like that. Um, they believed that the the exorcisms were taking a physical toll on this uh, Malachi Martin throughout his years. That he was that he was having health problems because he was involved in these exorcisms.
0: Well, I'm I'm assuming an exorcist is kind of stressful. Mm-hmm. You know oh, what I mean? God.
1: If they're anything like they portrayed in the uh, documentary. Demons. I don't even. Release
0: yourself. Yeah. Demons.
1: Yeah. If you're hosting an exorcism down the street from me, could you make it well known so I can leave the state? I don't want to be anywhere near. Those things. You so. probably have been near one. You just didn't know it. You know, <laughs> I, I've got some family members that I think might need an exorcism. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> uh, so here's the thing, Captain. Mm-hmm. W- what are your thoughts on this calf mutilation? I mean, it, it's certainly an act like that. Killing. Well, I'm, I'm not a.
0: I'm not a vegan.
1: Killing a a, a, a younger animal uh, in that manner certainly sounds like something. And I'll use a George W term here. One of my favorite comic book terms sounds like uh, something that an evil doer or group of evil doers would, would do would perform. Uh, it seems like a really unnecessary thing of violence, you know, and, and that's maybe that's why the, the farmer believed it would be an act of some kind of cult.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to me. One, I would want to know, um, did the farmer have any exchanges with anybody where maybe he did something wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, that's a possibility there. Uh, are they connected? It's very possible. I mean, we got, we have a in the same town, a very small town. We have a animal with its throat slit and mm-hmm. then we have a, a, priest the next day.
1: Yeah. Rough, is, roughly 15 miles away from one another, roughly 24 hours. Uh, apart
0: Um, yeah are they connected possibly it could be the same individual to to do I think it that's a sign of it being satanic I I don't believe so you know I I, you know that's all based off your you know this case is so difficult because you know religion is such a personal thing Mm -hmm. that you know it's like Um, You know, if somebody said to me, well, this, this person killed a a calf and then it killed a person and that, that those acts are satanic, those are acts of the devil. Well, I I would agree with you, you know? Uh, So does that make it satanic? You see what I'm saying?
1: Right. And I, and I think you, I want to hit on something that you, that you chimed in there about was, you know, did this farmer have any grievances with somebody in the area? Because to me, you know, Calf mutilation and calf's animal sacrifice sounds and I hate to, you know, it sounds a little more teenager, you know, a little more teenager, satanic cult kind of thing to me. That's where my gut goes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the mutilation, did th- did this farmer have any problems with somebody? Because and I hate to use this word when I'm referring to a living animal, but this is how the law would see it. The calf is a form of property of this farmer. And, you know, much like, much like people that dislike one another or, or have some grievance against one another, uh, might destroy someone's property right. while somebody destroyed the the property and this being the, the calf, which yeah. could be a valuable piece of property, um, especially to, Whoa, to yeah, the farmer. It's, a, it's an asset,
0: mm-hmm. you know? So I think when you think of it in those terms, yes, it's an asset. And so it'd be like, if you did me wrong or you owed me money and you don't have the money for me to collect. Well, I'll hurt you in your wallet by killing this animal. And it's a horrible thing. And it it takes a horrible person to do that act.
1: And I think that the timing of the two are really what have to link them for me. You know, if, if the calf mutilation was a week before three days before 10 days before I might not, not might not see any type of connection, but being so close in the manner of death, being the same, um, is disturbing and it really, it's a real big hiccup in this investigation for me. It's something well, that. Well, I
0: think the timing, but I also think what's really interesting is the, not just the day, but the hours, mm-hmm. you know, they, they claim that the calf, um, calf killing would have happened after 10 PM to 4 AM. Correct. Mm-hmm. Same with father Coons's murder. So uh, to me that that's very
1: suspicious. It's it's very strange. It's a strange occurrence, um, and it's something, like I said, it's a hiccup for me. When I look at other things in this case, I come back to that, and I'm going still a little uncertain on how I feel about the, if there is a connection between the two. My gut says no, um, that there's probably not a connection to the two. The, the investigators at the time um, say that there is nothing, that they didn't find any type of connection between the two, between the calf and—
0: Well, again, both— it's killing being killed by slitting somebody's throat or animals throat. And I think the thing here is um, as far as satanic, if it's satanic, right? Mm -hmm. My thought would just, like I said before, I just, you know, if somebody based off their religious beliefs said, well, murder is satanic or whatever. Okay, fine. That's, that's your viewpoints on this. To me, it could just be some sick individual that got a new knife or whatever was wandering around town after 10 p.m. when the whole town probably shut down uh, back in the day for all the young listeners back in the day, towns actually shut down. hmm Like you got, you know, you could get, get about 10 p.m. Everything got pretty dark. Uh, so it could have been just some sick individual that got some knife. Right. Was walking around by a farm and was like, you know what? I'm going to try to kill something. Mm-hmm. And that's a sick individual. That's a sick piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And that same individual could have then been walking by the church, sees the father dropped off and thinks to himself, well, I killed an animal. Let me see if I can kill a person. Mm -hmm. And there's people, I mean, we've covered how many cases. There's people on this world that are that messed up
1: well there's also people that will take out insurance on you know racing horses or different kinds of valuable animals that they have and then burn down the stall for the uh, the insurance, insurance money, money. Mm-hmm. um i don't know this guy's situation or the cow's situation it's sad for for the cow obviously um but yeah my, my gut says that that there's probably no um, connection. Now, the thing here, though, Captain, would you think that if if Coons were killed by Satanist or or like Martin might suggest a specific group of Satanists, the Luciferians, do you think is it is it the same as an act of terrorism? And what I mean by that is because hmm. we see, you know, we've unfortunately come accustomed to acts of terrorism in this day and age, and the terrorists are usually pretty quick to claim what they've done. Where with the the murder of Father Alfred Coons, does it make you wonder, would, would they would they have set up the crime scene in a way that would suggest it was carried out by Satanists? Would there have been some indication of that at the crime scene?
0: Yeah, but I, I believe law enforcement probably would have brought that to the forefront mm-hmm. or earlier. Um, so I, I think that's where we got a lot of other stuff that we need to get into. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't think um, I don't know if it was satanic acts. Like you said, I think there there would be some kind of signature mm-hmm. if it was a satanic act, um, maybe not the calf murder. Maybe that would just be, uh, uh, you know, we're killing a calf. Right. But as far as with the priest, I think there would be some kind of signature that's left to say, hey, this is a this is a satanic cult that's doing this.
1: Well, we have several different theories and a couple of suspects to discuss still on the board in the garage for this week. We will have to do that on tomorrow's show. So we will see you tomorrow in the garage. We want to thank all of you for listening.
0: Yes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for sharing stuff on social media. I mean, it just helps. I mean, we can't thank you enough for the show uh, blowing up as much as it has.
1: Thank you, Captain. We will see everybody back here in the garage tomorrow. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter
0: and make sure you carpool, and make sure you don't stand on stools.